Morning, Westside. My name is Alan Baum, and I'll be uh, having the honor to read. Uh, we're going to Acts 15. We're going to read the whole chapter. <clears throat> if you're uh, using your pew Bibles, it's on page 1023, and I'll give you just a moment to get there. It's 1023. Once you get there, say, beautiful mess. <laughs> okay, I'll give you a few more seconds. That was kind of iffy. All right, let's dive in. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows their heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people to his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return, and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will, I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may see the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from what has been strangled, and from blood. For from the ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read in every Sabbath in the synagogues. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brothers, with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, in Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols 
and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord, with many others also. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord, and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with him John, called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with him one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia, and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him, and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Well, hey, Westside, good morning. Uh, I'm Pastor Alex. If you're watching online, we want to welcome you as well. Uh, we hope you're excited for what God's going to do today here at the church. Um, it's been an honor, if, if you don't know, that we're part of this thing called the Grace Family. And uh, there's a, 10 different churches in different states. And one thing that's really just a fun thing for us is to be able to get together with anyone that's from the Grace Family. And we're able just to learn from, we're able to, to lean into. And uh, today we get to hear from the executive director, Scott Kindig. And so um, I'm going to invite him up in just a moment, but I just ask us to take a moment just to, to prepare our hearts for what God has for us in this season, 2024, a lot's going on in your, probably your life and in the church life, and so we're really just excited to hear what God has for us to almost propel us into this year, and so um, just a quick word, I think Scott is the epitome of 2 Timothy 4 of to be sober, to, to, to be an evangelist, to fulfill his ministry, uh, and I think Scott's been through a lot, and so I'm really excited for you to hear his story the word that the Lord has placed on his heart. It's really exciting. And uh, I mean, it's really cool. Apparently he can leg press like 700 pounds. So I just found that out today too. So again, at this time, if you would invite up for me, Scott Kinday from Grace. See you guys. Um, Y'all are way, way more handsome and beautiful than people in Atlanta. I'm just telling you that right now. It's just a beautiful thing to look up here and to deal with some things. And I, I, I want to kind of just introduce myself a little bit to you just because uh, what, we've, what we've stepped into today is, is that, you know, life is nothing but a beautiful mess, right? Because we have Jesus, there's always something that is beautiful that's going on in our lives at the same time. And simultaneously, there can be like total chaos at the same time of something that's beautiful and something that's chaotic that has to happen. The church is what I would love to call a big, happy family. And as a big, happy family, what we do together, uh, we care about what's happening in the back row that we don't know about because we need to talk to each other about things and we need to know, hey, here's, I need you to be praying for me. I, I want you to be praying for me. All those kinds of things are, are, are beautiful and, and all of that. I, I'm just going to ask this question, okay? So um, the, the, the wholeness of this passage um, that we looked at 
is, is a, cultural, a cultural icon kind of thing. It's Jewish people doing what, what the, the law of Moses said to do with circumcision and then trying to force that onto um, Gentiles who don't know anything about that and don't want to have anything <laughs> about that because they, they, they don't want to be circumcised as a full-grown man, right? All right, men, do you agree? Is that, is it, I mean, can we... Can we get together on this? Like that's, I, I, nobody, nobody wants that. There's a place where it says, and all the men were really excited about what happened. And, and it was the place where they said, hey, number one, I found Jesus. Number two, y'all figured out that we didn't need circumcision in order to get to Jesus. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so I want to tell you about like just a real quick story for me. When I was three years old, I was uh, the kid who would just just run all over the house. Like I literally, I was forest run, forest run, forest run as much as you could possibly be. And, uh, and I would do that. So in our house, we had one room that had no, uh, they had no furniture. And I would just put my hand on the wall, which she hated because it made it like a big greasy thing all the way around the hall. And I would just run, 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 run. And I loved it. And when it was, when it was good outside, when it wasn't too cold, when it wasn't rainy, I could go do that like outside in the fence. And she liked that a lot better. That was a really good thing. But there was a day where I uh, went into the room because it was, it was snowy in Nashville. It, it, you, go, go figure. It's in Nashville. That's what's going on. And so I'm running around the, the wall, and, and I started to fall over. And I would get back up, and I'd like take five or ten more steps, and I would fall again. And then I fell, and literally, like, my legs didn't work. And I, I didn't know what was going on. And so you know that when you're the kid in the room, and mom and dad, has lots of, they have lots of things to do, and you're trying to get their attention because, like, gosh, I, all I could remember saying was, my legs are broke. My, 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 leg, my legs don't work. My legs don't work. And I called my mom and said, hey, mom, I'm, I, mom, my legs don't work. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, that, so your legs don't work. No, yeah, I, absolutely. I got stuff to do, you know. And so uh, I sat there for a little bit and waited, and I said, mom, my legs don't work. <laughs> and um, and she, she said, okay, I'll be there in a minute and be in a minute. And there's a point as a little kid at three years old when your legs don't work that you finally go, I need somebody to fix my legs. You know, that's that's what that's what I was thinking in my head. I couldn't say all those words at that time, but I was like, ah. and then all of a sudden, mom showed up. Okay, when when you when your boy screams, that that's what happens. And she came in and she said, "What's the matter with you?" And I said, "My my legs don't work." <laughs> and and she said, "Sure they do, sure they do." All right. And and I said, "Okay, uh, what are we going to do?" And she put she put her hands underneath my my shoulders right here. And she said, all right, now just, just make your legs really stiff and, and you'll stand up. And she pulled away and it's boom, right in the floor. And then, um, and then she said, don't mess around with me now. <laughs> she, she thought I was playing with it. She picked him up, picked me up again, and he did it. She did it a, a, sec, a second time. And she said, I'm telling you to stiff your legs, boy. And, and then uh, it happened one more time, fell on the floor. And um, <laughs> and I'm like, my legs are, are not working. And so we looked through that, and uh, all of a sudden, she said, uh, my, my dad's num- name was Jack, and he said, Jack, I need you to get here. He said, no, I got stuff to do. <laughs> you know? And she said, you better get up here right now. And, and you know, just like any other you know, dad, he would come right immediately to, to the situation. And he said, 
Um, he said, what's going on? He said, my, my, my legs don't work. And he said, yeah, sure you can. And he put his hands on my shoulders, and he said, um, you, know, you know, mom's going to hold you on the back, and I'm going to hold you on the front, but something's wrong, and we don't know what it is. And boom, right on the floor again. It's like, how many times we're going to do this? What's this going to keep going on? And he just did it one more time, and then we got in the, in the car, and we went to the doctor, and we got in the doctor's room, and he said, what's the matter? I said, my legs don't work. And he said, all right, sure they do. Let me show you. <laughs> Let me show you this. That's it. I, I, got, I, I got this, you know. I'm a doctor. That's what I do. And boom, right on the floor. And so they immediately took me to Vanderbilt, and uh, I had a condition called Calvert-Perthes disease. And what it does is it, it, it doesn't allow the blood to get into your bones so that your bones get stronger. So my bones were just getting weaker at my hips. And all of a sudden, uh, I had like a picture. I think I got a picture here. Um, this is what I wore for 18 months across my, across my feet. Now, there's some positives and negatives to that. It's a beautiful mess. This, it, it's a beautiful mess, kind of a story. And, and so the first night that I was there, I, <laughs> they put me in bed, and I woke up, and I move a lot. So every morning, I would just be a taco. That's what I would be. You know, <laughs> I'd just kind of roll over and roll over and roll over, and they would bing in the morning, and everything would be okay. And, um, and that took about 18 months. The doctor's, the doctor's name was Don Eiler, Dr. Don Eiler, and he just happened to be at Vanderbilt, and he just happened to be the person who knew how to fix this. And uh, normally it's cutting bones and that kind of stuff, but for me what it was, it was I had to have a spread of my legs so that blood could get to the right place. And he said, we don't know 100% if it's going to totally work out, but we're going to do that. And so I would go every week. I would get all kinds of x-rays. And, um, and, and we, got, we got to that 18th month. And he said, like, the doc, if the doctor was right, right here, he was, he was untying the shoes. The only time we untied the shoes. We untied the shoes. We kept it there. And, and he said, I'm going to pull them off. Don't jump up fast. Don't do anything quick. Don't, you know, just, just like stand up like really comfortable. And as soon as those, uh, those, those laces were done, I was already at my dad's, dad's feet on the other. He was on the other side of the hall. He said, go there and, and catch him. And I didn't, like, I, I pushed my dad over. Like, I, I pushed him over. He fell backwards and was like, oh, okay, that's good. I think he's doing pretty good. And then I turned around and came up, and I knocked the doctor over. And then I went back, and my mom was, was starting to cry. Oh, my baby, my baby, everything, everything, everything's amazing. We went to a restaurant, and all I wanted to do was run, Forrest, run. And so I was, inter I was really interfering with everybody else's meal that was there. And my mom was going, don't you tell him he can't run in this restaurant. Don't you ever say that about my son. He hadn't walked in 18 months. And then, you know, it, it became just a beautiful thing just in a moment. Like seeing, like, I, I picture it like how I came to Jesus. I didn't really know how to get to Jesus, but I knew the environment that he was in. And I, I kind of just ran to Jesus personally the same way that my dad was ready to hold his son when he could walk all of a sudden. So there are beautiful things that happen. Now, I'm going to tell you just a real quick, real quick deal. Um, 
it's difficult. How many, how many of you are uh, first children? First children. Okay, all right. We all are of the devil. That's what, that's what I just need to tell you. I just need, all of y'all are of the devil, especially if you're a paralyzed kid because, I mean, I liked G.I. Joe, and he would take my G.I. Joe, and he'd put, put it 20 yards away, and I would have to inchworm, you know, with, uh, with my feet, and I just, okay, I just, that's the way I, I figure out how to get around. And that, that, was, that was cool. He thought that was cool. He went outside, put me in a tent. He put uh, a towel over uh, his shoulders, and he pretended to be Dracula, and he was going to drink my blood. And at three years old, I believed it. So my dad came out. He kind of, so that, and, and, and so I started figuring out, like, when you're paralyzed, like, there's some stuff you can't do. So it's like you just get so irritated. Like, I can't, there's nothing I can do about this. But he was watching Sesame Street, and he liked to, to watch Sesame Street, and he would put his feet over a, a little, a, a, just, just a, a short little stool, and I saw his white, pasty knees, and I went just really quiet, just got all the way up that room, and I had this bar right here, and I didn't know what to do with it, and then I figured out what to do with it, because his, his shins were just right perfect for me, and I leaned that thing over my head, and I just went, pow! And he was rolling all over the floor. He was calling mama. He was screaming. And I, the sound is what I remember. Like, I, I remember the sound. And, and it was like um, a baseball bat cracking. And I was like, ha, ha. And now remember, I know I'm in big trouble because I'm paralyzed. Where am I, where am I going to go? I, what are they going to do to me? I mean, I, I don't know what it is. And my, my mom came in and said, why did you do that? Look, at these things are like sticking out all over your knee. What did he do? What did you do? And she's about to get me and go, you know. She, she was in go mode. And my dad walked in the room. He said, hey, hey, what are we doing? What are we doing? Um, he pretended to be Dracula you know, for him earlier in the day, and he took G.I. Joe and messed with him. I just figure it's even. <laughs> I was like, oh, I love my dad. Uh, that's, isn't that beautiful? Like, it's messy, but beautiful at the same time. Does that make sense? How, how many of you, like, if you're married, which one of you is the beautiful one and which one's the messy one? Okay. Point, point at the right one, you know. Okay, so well, yeah, you can tell your stories later. Those, are, those will be fine. I, I, I know you have them. And, and I want to tell you this, churches have those too, right? We have those too. We've been through a difficult season, right? We, we have opinions, just like the, the circumcision passage that we looked at. It, it, was, it was a culture and a culture. It was, it was Jewish people and, and Gentile people, and they didn't have the same rules. And... With that, what we, what we learned and listened is there's a culture that says, hey, if you're going to get to Jesus, you have to go through Jewish, Jewish customs to get to Jesus. That's, that's, what, that's what they were trying to say. So these guys that were stepping into that, it, it was a big deal. Now, there's, there's a few things that we have that we want to share with you here as we, as we keep rolling, what I want to do is I just want to kind of go through this vision series, Being Human, and letting you guys see uh, Acts 15 
has a lot of messy reality. So, so if you get there, big idea, we are a beautiful mess. Can you agree with that? Can you say, hey, I'm beautiful. I like me some me. Do you like you, do you, like you some? Do you, do you, like, you, you like yourself? I, I hope you do. Um, so so what, what happens is, is we're a beautiful mess, and God's trying to make us a beautiful attraction. And so what, what happened in this passage, when you're looking at, at uh, 15 verse 1, there's, <laughs> I, I love this, but some men came from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So we're on the other side of the Old Testament, right? We're, we, we have a Holy Spirit that's alive in us and can be alive in everyone, right? Can be alive in everyone. And so, um, so according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And, and so we've, we've got an argument that's going on about, hey, is circumcision, is, is, do you have to go through circumcision to get to Jesus? Let me, let me ask you this. Do you have to go through anybody's cultural norms to get to Jesus? You only have to go through Jesus' norms. And Jesus wants us to be able to do that. Now, the, the problem is that we have people. You know, that If we didn't have people, there wouldn't be messes, right? And, and so, so we have to make sure that messes step in and, and we, get to, we get to press in. Now, keep, keep going down on, on your sheet here for a second. When we get to uh, 15, 5, we, we, why can't we just get, all get along? Why can't, why can't we say, hey, we're Jewish people and we need, we actually, we need to be circumcised because in the Old Testament, here's what it meant in, uh, uh, let's see, in, in, in um, let's see, we're in 17.1 um, in, in the Bible, and what we look at is that the circumcision is the mark that reminds Jesus that they belong to him. Now, that's, that's beautiful, right? He, it's, it's very personal. It's, it's very private. It's very unique. And God loves his people. He loves Jewish people. He loves Jewish people that came to Jesus in that season. And there are people that are Jewish that um, maybe uh, along the way you get to spend time with them and you get to see how beautiful their culture is. But the reality is Jesus is better than everything else. And that's what we're trying to step into. So why can't we get along? Like if we have different opinions of stuff, like I, I know there's a, this is like a political season and everybody has their opinion about that. I, I just want us to say, hey, above that norm, what we want to understand is that God actually wants us to love everyone at first glance. Does that make sense? If they're different from you politically, if they're different from you on norms of the day and all that sort of stuff, the higher goal is not can we outwit other people to get our way. 
what we need to do is to say on first glance, I'm choosing to love you. Because that is what Jesus taught us to do. That's what he wants us to do. So, okay, so why, why can't we just get along? Okay, let's keep going. The next one is, is the beautiful resolution. The, re, the beautiful re, resolution is what so um, takes me in this passage. I just want to look over. It starts at about, uh, well, it starts on my page right there. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to look at this, and we're, we're just going to look at the command letter. So... Um, here, here's what took place. Out of sequence, let's do this. When, when Paul and Barnabas said to the man who was who's saying, you have to be circumcised to get saved, um, immediately the church sent them to Jerusalem. And on the way, a revival happened. Okay? And so this revival happened, and... And these two, you know, it's, it's actually was a family of churches right here <laughs> because it's, it's where Paul and Barnabas was, and then all of a sudden they're, they're here. And so being sent on their way by the church, in, in verse 3, um, they passed through both uh, Phoenicia and Samaria and describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all of the brothers. Okay, so they, they solved the problem before they got to Jerusalem. Did you see that? There's, there's a revival in these two cities, and these two cities didn't have to go through circumcision for them to get the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? All right, so we're stepping into that and we're saying, hey, let's, let's live that way. Let's not, just, let, let, let's not just live that way. Let's love that way because these are probably the next three <laughs> blanks that you have right here. So what we're looking here is God loves everyone and he wants us to love everyone too. First glance, right? First glance. Second thing is we need to help everyone love Jesus, Right? So it's not just our love for Jesus, and it's not just me and my family and, and no more. It's actually everybody. It's, it's the engagement that I had at the hotel this morning trying to bless the lady at the counter that was having a tough day. I, I want to make sure that when I see opportunities for Jesus stuff to go through me to get to somebody else, that it wasn't me, it was still always Jesus, right? It's not, I, I, can't, I can't figure out what people need, uh, but I can encourage people when, when, they, when they have need. And so I want, I want that to be part of it. So if we keep pressing here, can, can everyone, th this is the goal, like, can everyone love everyone? Now, I know you've got a few people that you have darts at your house on, and you, you, play, you play darts on that. Is, is, is that true? There's sometimes that, you know, maybe some people might not be in your closest friend, but you have to re realize when, when I went to San Antonio, and I was, and I was in San Antonio, and I went to the um, NAACP, ACP, and I sat down, and at first glance, the, what the first man said, he said, I know that you're a Jesus man. And I said, you know, you, maybe you don't. You know? <laughs> and he said, no. He said, you came in here loving people the moment that you walked in the room. You can tell a Jesus people by how much they love the people in the room. And we need to learn how to do that. We need to do that more. All those things are, are so big. And here's, here's, here's where I want this question. Where are you right now? Like, 
Everybody say it at the same time. Where are you? Your church. Okay, so that, that's, that's a colloquialism because this is just a building. You're the church. You occupy the building. The church is in the building. And so when we're stepping into relationship, all the things that happen in a church touch everybody in the church, right? If something happens, and, and we, we've talked about, uh, about what has gone through with Jason, and yesterday I got to spend about two hours with him, and I'm really proud of the directions, uh, some of the directions that he's stepping into. I think he is um, doing some really good personal work um, on his own. I, I think it's going to be, you know, more time for healthy stuff to happen. But I bet there are differing opinions on like all the things that you've been you've been seeing. And as a as a church, the first thing we do, even if you disagree with someone else, all you have to do is remember when I see you first glance. I want to see you first glance. I want us to see everybody first glance, and we've got to remember that they are someone that was made by a holy God. So, I mean, I, I don't know all the details of, of what's gone on completely the way that some of you do, but I, what I want you to know is that this community desperately needs this church to just fully first glance love everybody. That, that's, that's, what we're, that's what our goal is. Now, it doesn't mean that there doesn't need to be uh, boundaries for specific things that need to be dealt with and all that kind of stuff. I want to tell you, you have fantastic leadership in this church. Like I, I, if I was y'all, I would be applauding because I, I've, I've, I've been with these guys, and I think it's amazing. <laughs> They've worked their tails off, okay? <laughs> they work their tails off, and they've heard lots of opinions, and we need to do this. How about this? How about, let's, let's let me love me. Let's, let's let me love you, and let's, let's ascend to a level of culture that says, hey, we can't fix everything because we can't, right? Or do you agree with that? We, we can't fix it all. So the church is really on the only, it is the only crew of people who absolutely do this all the time. When something bad ha happens, the church runs to the issue and goes after it. And hey, let's make this a beautiful thing instead of something that becomes like a wound or a bruise or just a cut. It, it hurts, but the church is also the group that when something amazing happens, like if somebody in here has a baby, you know, everybody's excited about the baby. You don't, you don't have to worry about that one, right? Like it's like, oh, there's nothing wrong with somebody having a baby. Let's, let's celebrate that. Let's figure out a way to look at people and give them the value of now you're a dad, now you're a mom, and you've got these people, and <laughs> I hope you can do more than I did because I, I got four at home and... Um, and we've got them all out of our house, and it's just me and Kim now. And so I, I get to say to her every day, hey, Kim, and, and we, we do this 
just stupidly, we just say, hey, the moment you woke up this morning, first glance, you got me all the time. All the time. I love you so much. <laughs> all right, men, they, uh, just turn to your wife and just go ahead. Do it. Do it. Just say, hey, I got you. I got you. It's easy to do with your it's easy to do with the people that you're most close to. But I want to remind you there's still a family that needs to be healed. And they need they need you but you don't really know how to help them and they don't know how to connect with this. And so I, I'm just I'm just asking you to, to think through, you're a church, and churches rally to the crisis, and churches rally to the celebrations. That's, that's what we do. That's who, that's who we are. Um, I, want, I want to push in like just a couple other things. So if, if, we, if we are the church in the building, okay, who's in you? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you as a believer. You're, you're there. We're in the church, and the Holy Spirit is in us. That means that we actually have access to somebody who can help us when we're having trouble with somebody. Does that make sense? And, and so that's what we have to step into is that, gosh, they, there's some messes you don't need to get into, but there are messes that it's for you specifically so that God can grow you and the Holy Spirit gives you insight to be able to help in what is going to take up the next, the next issue, whether it's celebration or whether it's crisis. All right, so, so we want to look at that, but then down here and, and seek, seek wise counsel. Like, I, I want you to have somebody that when you're trying to figure out a difficult situation, how, who is the smartest person that you know? I, I'm, I'm just going with Alex, okay? I'm going with Alex. So if I need help, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have Alex, you know, on my, on my side. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to ask him, hey, help me through the issues that I might have with so-and-so. And, and get counsel before you create a, a bigger mess, right? right. We want to get the messes smaller as we keep going. Now, the next one is, uh, as you see, um, seek wise counsel, and I mean like really counsel, really good counsel. Have your person that does that for you. The, the fourth thing is create healthy rhythms to give you life. Now, as a church, you guys have moved back into the 10 o'clock service. That's a real healthy thing for you guys to do. You're all here together in one place at one time, and you're going to outgrow this in, um, in, a, in a season. And what we're going to see is, is people are going to keep rallying to the crisis and they're going to keep rallying to um, the celebration. And when that happens, we, we begin to forget that, hey, we've had some tough stuff, but the tough stuff isn't going to mark us like a circumcision. Are you, are you, are you seeing like a backwards circumcision? Like do we, do we, get, do we cut ourselves to harm because we don't want to be first glance, I got you. Okay, all right. So we're almost, almost toward the end here. Just want to 
got we got to read one more piece to you. But um, now here's here's this is this is funny, <laughs> intentionally. Um, can the perfect people in the room help the messed up people in the room? <laughs> now now. All I'm talking about is there are people who have been walking with Jesus for a really long time, and there are people who are brand new in Jesus. And we want to make sure that the very brand newness of, of, of the people have all the access to all of you. So what we want is, and, and, I, you know, and I said you know, teasingly, can perfect people allow messed up people to grow around you? And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm not... I'm not shooting any, any guns. I'm just, I'm just saying that we, we've got to be the people that do that. I, I think that the development of leaders is what grows every church, right? So if you're spending time with some people that are a little bit, and you're a little bit further along the way than they are, just, hey, have relationship with them. Love, love them well. Help them figure out. I, I mean, you can, you can have discipleship patterns that, come out and and gosh I just want to tell you that healthy rhythms are the really best thing I'll just give you like two two things that really brilliant people gave me they said hey Scott when you leave vacation before you leave vacation with your family or just you and your wife you need to go ahead and schedule the next vacation that y'all are going to have so that you have something to look forward to does that make sense does that make sense? So at the end of the day, when I'm working all day, and all day I'll, I'll, I'll be working like in a desk and just, I, and I, I need people, y'all. Like, like I need people. So I, I'm, I'm one of those people that I love people. Like I, I love the crazy people even. I, I, I like it all. And, and so I, I want to see all of that happen. But at the end of the day, what I, want, what I want to do, this man just said, hey, Scott, at 2 o'clock every day, I want you to go to a place for 15 to 20 minutes and just be still and quiet. And most of the time, I fall asleep when that happens. I'm one of those people that can fall asleep anywhere. Anywhere. And and I, so I would go to the prayer room, and people would walk in, and they see me snoring, <laughs> they see me in there, and say, "You're not praying." Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not circumcision, you know. I don't figure. I can't figure that out. But I can be here for this time. And he, and he said. Here's why this is important, Scott, because you sleep all night so that you can work the best you possibly can for your job. I want you to actually rest a little bit before you go home so that you have energy for your kids. Does that make sense? So what we're trying to do is we're trying to say, hey, what healthy rhythms can we have? And if you're going somewhere, if you're going to a movie and somebody else that you don't even know that's here, you don't know them personally, and you say, hey, I'm going to go to a movie. Do you want to go? You don't have to. I'm just, I'm just, you know, don't feel bad if you can't, you know, anything like that. But if you want to come, let's go. Let's go. And I know the introvert, extrovert thing happens. You know, I know, I know what that is. You know, I know how that works. But ultimately, that's, that's what we want to see. Because if you develop healthy rhythms, I promise you, you're going to have healthy friends. And sometimes, there's somebody that's hurting over there that needs to know that they're cared for. And, and there needs to be boundaries that need to be honored. And there's going to be a normalcy that comes because we have two things, healthy rhythms and healthy friends. Those are beautiful things. Now, 
I, I, I want to I tell you one more thing about my family. Am I way over? Okay, all right, good deal. Am I way over? Do y'all need to go? Okay. All right, all right, so here's, here's, here's the deal. Um, how many of you like to go to the movies? Is everybody, does everybody like to go to the movies? Okay. All right. Why do you go to the movies? Okay. All right. So, so theaters, I'm, I'm going to give you just inside, inside word, word. Theaters, um, they don't get money from the movies that they show. They, they actually, they get like $2.11 for every, every show that they show. Did you know that? Yeah. So, um, they have to get their money from where? Ha-ha! <laughs> yes, that's right. The concession stand is what keeps the theaters there, and then the little bit that they get from the movies is, is just a little bit for that. And so um, I was a student pastor for 13 years in one place, and, and I loved... I, I, there's, there's a part of me that wishes I had never done anything else but just student ministry, and I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So, um, so here's, here's, here's the reality. Seth likes popcorn, Drew likes popcorn, Nate likes popcorn, Mary Beth, my youngest sister, like princess person in our family, uh, loves, loves, loves popcorn. And so we, I had to say, listen, on a student pastor's salary, I can't really like, we, we can't do the popcorn. You know, it's, it's like $47 for a, bu- a bucket of popcorn. And I, I don't know, I, 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 can, would it be okay if we just don't get popcorn? Would that be okay? Because it's, it's $12, $12, six people, $72. I, I'm already $72 in. If I get the popcorn, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to have to quit giving money to mission or something. I've I, I got to figure something out. Um, and so I, we, would, we would do this, and we'd say, hey, uh, Kim, is it okay if we don't have popcorn? Yeah. Okay. Seth? Yeah. I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. Drew? Yeah. Nate? Yeah. Look at Mary Beth. She's like, Daddy, can we, can we just have a little bit of popcorn? Can we just have a little bit? Yeah, baby, you can have whatever you want. <laughs> uh, um, and and so, so everybody is okay with it. But the reality of what takes place for us is we would say, all right, all right, here's what we're going to do. We are not getting popcorn. We're not getting popcorn. We actually lock arms and we start singing, we will overcome. We will overcome. <laughs> Because the closer you get to the window, uh, the door, like the more you can smell that that heavenly aroma, and and you it like it's it's going to get you. So we just say, hey, take a deepest breath you possibly can. Let's get the tickets. Let's get into the room before we can get past the popcorn. We got to get past the popcorn, and we have to we have to get that to happen. And. And ultimately, like, we would get to the door, and literally, we're standing at the door, and we all go, and I push the door open, and I run to the counter and say, I must have popcorn. (laughs) We have popcorn here. Is is there something you can do to make, like, this go? Okay, so let's see what happens with here. The rest of this story, like, is it's a deal that happened in our family and it became a culture. It became something like, hey, we're going to fake that we're not going to get popcorn and then we're going to go get popcorn every time that we do it and we're going to mess with the people that are behind the counters and do everything that we can. But what you don't know about popcorn, I want to make sure that you understand because it's a really big deal. Um, it's the only kind of popcorn that has one perfect 
small little piece of water in the very dead center of the, of the seed. When you put um, that under uh, heat and it gets to a certain point, that what, what happens is, is the seed is so hard that you, you can't break it with a, with a hammer. But when you're sitting there and you're, you're putting this, this little thing together and all of a sudden God said, uh, I'm going to put the perfect little piece of, of water right there just so you cannot just have corn, but you can have popcorn. Because when it hits um, the boiling point, it pops. And when it pops, then it gets good. But then the really good part is, like, there's all that really, like, messy, gooey butter that comes right on top of that. And our family figured out that it's the same exact response when someone comes to Jesus because there's living water accessible to them in their life and it pops and as it pops, a brand new life can come into your first glance, I love you moment. Now, I don't know if that's gonna go well, (laughs) but I am just gonna say that if you want popcorn when this is over, anybody that, <laughs> that, that needs it can, can come up here and grab all the popcorn that you want. But what I'm really trying to say to all of us is we have to be culturally aware that Christianity is the only hope for us. It's the only hope that we have. And what what my, what my heart wants to say is when messy things happen, good things need to go behind them. And, and so what your opinion of what good is may not be simple and easy, but it is really easy to send a card. It is really easy to send a text thread. It is really easy to send an email and just encourage People. Now, I'm not talking about Jason only. I'm just talking about Courtney. I'm, talking, I'm not just talking about the kids. I'm talking about people that you don't know that might be here, and they could possibly be like your first glance. So we're going to have some popcorn, which is really good. That's fantastic. But what I want to do now is I just want us to think about some of these little pieces on the page that don't seem much, but... The way that I'm going to stop, stop this is to just look at this one part of this passage that is so important to us. It was good for us and for the Holy Spirit to figure out that a movement communicated to Gentiles and Jewish people that they can both have Jesus and they can maintain their culture. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's pray. Jesus, um, thank you for beautiful people. And thank you for the messes that you send us that help grow, grow us up. Lord, I, I probably learn more for the messes that I make 
and the things that I learn than the, than the really good things that take place. And so, Jesus, I'm just asking you for this church to be really first glance lovers to everyone that you meet. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.